The whole world is overreacting. Personally, I don't think holding a primary is unlawful. Yes, there's been a tightening of freedom to express views. When China imposed a national security law on Hong Kong last year, it promised that the principle of one country, two systems, and the basic rights that it enshrines would be upheld. But critics point to a rapid erosion of freedom since. My guest this week is Michael Teen, pro-Beijing member of Hong Kong's Legislative Council and deputy in China's National People's Congress. He says the law needs clarification. So why does he still support it? Michael Teen, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you. Hong Kong has started off this new year with mass arrests. 53 pro-democracy politicians and activists detained on the grounds of subversion under the new national security law. The move has been condemned by the world's leading democracies, rights groups, law associations as being nothing more than a crackdown. Is Hong Kong witnessing a dismantling of its freedoms and its opposition? Well, I don't think so. <clears throat> First of all, just like you and everybody else in the world, we are busy fighting the pandemic. Secondly, the massive arrest that happened earlier this year is about a primary being held last year involving uh, 50, 60 people who participated in the primary uh, in preparation for last year's electoral election. Okay, so, so far, the basis of that arrest is that the primary involves a lot of candidates uh, whose election platform uh, violated uh, Article 22 of the National Security Law, which is to paralyze the government, to stop everything from functioning, to basically oppose every single funding and bill, regardless of its nature, that comes to electrical. Let me ask you a little bit more about um, about about what has prompted these arrests, because sure. actually this is um, what has shocked so many about these latest arrests. Um, it has yeah. been the offense which has yeah. been considered subversion. As you've articulated last summer, um, the pro-democracy opposition, they united to decide who might stand for elections. They essentially organized themselves. Um, they organized a primary. They were hoping to go for a majority in the legislative council. Mm. They've been arrested. Yes. Here's how the international community is reacting to those arrests. We have the incoming U.S. Secretary of State saying the following. The arrests were an assault on those bravely advocating for universal rights. We have the office of the U.N. High Commissioner for Human Rights saying these latest arrests indicate that, as had been feared, the offense of subversion under the national security law is indeed being used to detain individuals for exercising legitimate rights to participate in political and public life. So, in other words, in a democracy, this would be seen as standard politics. But in Hong Kong, it gets you arrested. Is that not disturbing to you? Okay, now are you ready to let me share with you the background of this? Now then you have to give me some time. The National Security Bill involves Article 20, which relates to secession. In other words, going for independence. In that particular law, it's written very clearly that anybody showing a motive to do that will be deemed to have violated the law. 
However, with regard to Article 22 of the National Security Bill, which is not secession, going for independence for Hong Kong, but merely to topple the government, to paralyze the legislature, to vote no to everything, gaining control of legislature and all that, there is an extra clause or condition to that, which is that they have to do it through unlawful means. Now, personally, I don't think holding a primary is unlawful. So therefore, if the primary involves people whose platform are going for Hong Kong independence, yes, that would violate Article 20, which would mean, which would uh, so make the primary itself uh, dangerously close to violating the National Security Bill. However, none of the candidates that entered the primary have Hong Kong independence as a platform. However, a lot of them have in their platform basic to come in and vote no to everything and paralyze the government. However, that has to be coupled with unlawful means. Now, the question that I have been asking is, is the primary itself unlawful? Now, I don't think so. Right. So, Mr. So, Chain. therefore, the police making the arrest, the, therefore, the police making arrest is only the first okay. step. Okay. Unless so, they so find in other, words, other Mr. unlawful practices. So, in other words, Mr. Tien, you're, you're, yes, you're calling for please. clarification, essentially. Um, but, you know, I'd like to look at some of the concerns um, that have been had. And, and, for example, this is coming from the European Council. They have actually said... These arrests penalize political activity that should be entirely legitimate, as, as I've already highlighted. They say the national security law is being used you to may, stifle sorry, Sarah, political you may have pluralism to in Hong Kong. Sarah, Again, you may have to stifle slow down political pluralism in Hong Kong. The European Parliament at this point is calling on countries to consider sanctions against targeted officials in Hong Kong. The U.S. has already imposed targeted sanctions as a result of these arrests. It doesn't get much more serious than that. And what you are calling for is just clarification? Okay. Now, let me respond. They make all these arrests and everybody is out on bail. Secondly, the government, the Secretary for Justice, have not even stopped prosecuting anyone, let alone that it may end up going to the court whether or not they'll be convicted or acquitted. So this is simply the very first step. They are arrested on the basis of suspicion or violating Article 22 of the National Security Law. People get arrested and they're all released on bail on the basis of suspicion of violating the National Security Law. Now let me ask you, every country in the world the most democratic of the democracies. Police arrest people. Now, if they arrest people and eventually they're all off the hook and prosecution don't move in, don't move in, then government lose face. Or if the prosecutor comes in and they lose all these cases in court, also the government would lose face. This is simply the very first step. And the whole world is now jumping on Hong Kong saying, well, we don't have freedom, we're going because, to democratic, this and that. The world is I'm, saying I this have a job is the to first explain step to all of toward you repression. To cool down. This you is slow the first down step 
Cool down. This is simply the first step. They are all released on bail. Here is what Human Rights Watch has said. What remains to be seen. What is important is that what specific charge do they end up coming through? And do they go according to every word in the national security law? Mr. Teen, the world has been warning that this is, in fact, the first step toward repression, in fact. Um, There were warnings that this would happen, for example, from Human Rights Watch, who said that the Hong Kong authorities, with China's backing, are imposing mainland-style repression on a city long recognized for its freedoms. They say Hong Kong's new security legislation is nothing more than a roadmap for repression. Don't these latest arrests prove those warnings true? Okay, so if you want my honest opinion, the whole world is overreacting. And I'm supposed to be the more liberal of the pro-Beijing camp uh, membership. The whole world is overreacting. They don't even know the details of these arrests or what it's all about. Just like uh, supporters of Donald Trump in the U.S. But how about the Hong Kong government's promise that this law would be used to target only a minority of, of people, Mr. Tien? I mean, Carrie Lam, she, she went on the airwave. She actually spoke before the United Nations saying it would only target an extremely small minority of people who have breached the law, while the life, the property, the basic rights and freedoms of the overwhelming majority of Hong Kong residents will be protected. That's a message that you amplified, that, that you echoed um, for various uh, journalistic publications. Um, tell me, Mr. Tien, Did you get it wrong? This doesn't seem like just a small minority of people who have been targeted. These are the leaders of the pro-democracy movement, the main figures. More than 50 people rounded up, mass arrests. Why would you not believe Carrie Lam? Because they've arrested only 50 people and most likely a lot of them will never be charged. The key is at the end, who will be charged and on what basis? Don't we all have the patience to listen and see anymore? Don't we, are we all just getting super hyped and super sensitive? These are people that join a primary. That's the only common factor among them. They are now looking into each of them, whether in their the, the journey towards uh, participating in the, um, the primary, whether they have violated any section of the national security law. One of the key suspicions is foreign government funding to fund the primary. Now, if they can prove that, then it's a whole new, different matter. Okay, so you say let the process play out. The national security out. law is targeted towards foreign government funding local opposition to right. the national uh, government okay. in Hong Kong, you so, know that. So you say let so the process play out. So if you want to out. debate with me about the merit of the national security law, now that's a different issue. I don't think that's the purpose of today's interview, right? Sentencing of pro-democracy activists, for example, and politicians Joshua Wong and Agnes Chow um, and Ivan Lam back in December. Amnesty calls it a warning shot for anyone who dares to openly criticize the government that they could be next. They say incitement, which is what they were charged with in sentence on, refers to the use of a megaphone to shout slogans during a protest. Is Hong Kong really afraid of people with megaphones? Is, is that what it's come to? In any country, the likes of Joshua Law will be charged with treason. 
He is actually going to foreign government to ask them to sanction his own country. You don't call that. Uh, I don't know what you call that. That's absolutely being uh, totally non-patriotic. Okay, and it's uh, uh, unthinkable. Have you ever thought of that? What if an American goes to China and asks China to sanction the U.S. or a German legislator going to China and asking China to sanction Germany because they are not happy with what the German government is doing? How would you Mr. react Teen, to that? Mr. let's just stay on track here. I mean, that is not what, what he uh, was convicted of, we have to say. Um, and also, in order to stay on track, I'd also like to ask you, because the national security law is not the only action we know that was recently handed down by Beijing, which essentially bypassed the Hong Kong legislature. Um, in November, four opposition members were expelled from the legislature for endangering national security. Uh, the Chinese parliament it cleared the way for the disqualification with the Sorry, passing of a resolution again? allowing you, Hong Kong to expel legislators deemed as a threat to security or not holding allegiance to Hong Kong. Was that a dark day for democracy in Hong Kong? You said they expelled some legislators? No, the opposition quitted in their own uh, uh, free will. Four were disqualified because they were disqualified before the last election. So, so they the no National longer People serve in the Congress, they no longer serve in the Legislative Excuse Council, me? Mr. Teen. They no longer serve in the Legislative Council because they were kicked out. They were disqualified. There were four incumbent legislators who entered the race and were disqualified from the race for this term. So their disqualification from entering the race carries through to this extended term. This is a decision of the National People's Congress. The rest of the opposition decide to uh, retire and resign out of their own free will. I keep asking them to stay in because actually I really enjoy having them in the legislature because they would provide a lot more question and answers, monitoring, scrutinizing government bills, but they decide to give up. And we will and look at why they were disqualified, Mr. Teen. but you know, critics, what they are pointing to here and what is so concerning to so many is the lack of due process for these lawmakers. The Hong well, Kong those people that Bar Association says the following. Of going they to say foreign... the following, Mr. Teen. Stripping the four legislators who have Excuse been chosen me, Sarah, by the electorate want this to be an interview of or their you want rights this to, be to continue in office, determined exclusively by the executive, by the chief executive, Carrie Lam, and without affording them an opportunity to be heard, violates the basic principles of fairness and due process inherent in the rule of law. Again, this is coming from the Hong Kong Bar Association. So now anyone can be dismissed simply at the whim of the chief executive. Isn't that a troubling sign for basic rights in Hong Kong? Where is the due process, Mr. Teen, for the four lawmakers? The four lawmakers that were disqualified were disqualified on the basis of their involvement with uh, foreign government. But where is the due process? Excuse me? Can they appeal that decision? They cannot, yes, can they? Yes, of course. They to definitely whom? can appeal. They don't know. They can appeal that decision and it will go to the court. Yes, absolutely. We do have due process. And if they lose, they can go to the appeal court 
And if they lose, they can go to the court of final appeal. Yes, they haven't done that. That's not, what the Hong Kong, that's not what the Hong Kong Bar Association says. They said that legal certainty has been greatly impaired, that it introduces an entirely different way to disqualify a legislator outside of Article, 17, outside of Article 79 and without due process. And I'd like to ask well, you in that context, I, Mr. I bet you disagree with the Hong Kong Bar Association. They tend to generalize about everything. These four legislators that were disqualified definitely can and should appeal. And I think one or two of them will probably win the appeal. So yes. then let me ask you as a follow-up. How they, can should the put, they should put the government to test about this kind of disqualification. Please understand, I am not totally behind government disqualifying these people on all the grounds and specific uh, <clears throat> allegations that they make, okay? Because these people have not make a defense to the allegation made by the government. I am waiting to see them put forth their defense challenging the government in the court. And I think they are doing that. And I don't know, you know, when that's going to happen. I think we should all wait and see. Mr. Teen, another Hong point... Hong Kong government may not win all the time. Mr. Teen, another point that, um, you know, has concerned some is the language that has been used by the chief executive in, in the wake of uh, the dismissal of these lawmakers. She said the following, we need to have a political body which is composed of patriots. She said she was excited that bills will pass more efficiently at the legislature in the future. Um, it seems as if there is no room for differing or opposing views and voices anymore in the Legislative Council. How does that serve the people of Hong Kong? Ah, that's a very good, that's a very good question. Let me answer that objectively. If the chief executive basically wants to ram everything through LegCo to save time, I am the first to come out and <clears throat> condemn her for making that statement, okay? Simply to make sure everything goes through, minimize the questions, okay, and pass billion dollar funding bill within an hour or two, all right? If you look at what's happening in the Legislative Council for the last four years, we're trying to elect a chairman of the House Committee and that's been stopped for over nine months to a year and no bill can never go to LegCo. That's the other extreme of putting everything to a stop. What I think Carrie Lam is saying is that these people who run for office in LegCo, okay, they can scrutinize the bill. They need to be smart enough, intelligent enough to come up with questions that make sense. So filibustering is an art. You don't filibuster by repeating the same thing for, you know, three months. But, Mr. But T. if you have reason and you challenge government, I support that. I've been doing that myself. Sometimes government thing, I ask too many questions. I don't care. I keep asking. But I don't repeat the same questions 10 times, 20 times. And that's what the opposition were doing at one point. I think that's what Carrie Lam was talking about. And there are concerns, um, as we have mentioned, um, that, that there is an attempt now to neutralize, in fact, the opposition um, in order to have things run more smoothly for the pro-Beijing side. Um, for example, the decision to postpone elections by a year um, 
Human Rights Watch has said the following about that. They've said that in November 2019, pro-democracy candidates won local elections overwhelmingly, that electoral showing seems to be why, they have alleged, Carrie Lam's government has disqualified pro-democracy candidates for Hong Kong's Legislative Council and in any event postponed those elections for a year. They write, what a better way to neutralize the power of Hong Kong's example than by pretending that the city's pro-democracy movement is the result of nefarious foreign influences. Was postponing the election an attempt to neutralize the opposition? Another great question. Uh, if COVID-19 is not an act of God, and there is proof that there's a massive conspiracy behind COVID-19, that actually somebody somewhere invented that to mess up the whole world with the sole purpose of stopping, stopping Hong Kong Legislative Council election from going on, then I would be very glad to hear the evidence of that. But Mr. Tien, that is not what, what people are seeing last year when it comes to the situation in pandemic. Hong Kong. They have looked when at that we, justification, we have the justification pandemic. of coronavirus, um, and they point to nearby countries, for example, Singapore and South Korea, which both recently held successful general elections um, without registering a spike in COVID-19 cases. On the same side, they look, for example, at the disapproval ratings of Carrie Lam, which most recently stood at 72 and so now the elections get postponed. That doesn't look good, does it? First of all, it's due to the pandemic. And then you said, well, many countries have the pandemic. Yes, half of the world has uh, <clears throat> the elections uh, held on a uh, mail-in basis, right? In Hong Kong, we have a problem because a lot of our residents, the voters, live in Samjun across the border. And because of the pandemic, we have quarantine uh, issues, and basically the border was stopped. So a lot of these voters were deprived of a right to vote. You mentioned in the beginning of our conversation that um, you did not feel that freedoms were under fire due to the national security law. Um, but I'd like to just point out another example to you, and this is when it comes to freedom of speech and freedom of the press. Critics say there has been a swift crackdown. They point to the arresting of a respected reporter who produced reporting critical of the police, limiting of press cards, forcing news organizations to surrender materials relating to pro-democracy candidates, arresting the head of the popular Apple Daily, Jimmy Lai, denying visas for no reasons to reporters critical of Beijing. Just a few examples here. Freedom of the press, is it a casualty of the national security law? You mentioned about the arrest of Mr. Jimmy Lai. Mr. Jimmy Lai has been behind a major push, okay, to get foreign government involved in uh, funding opposition activities in Hong Kong. In my mind, Mr. Jimmy Lai is not making positive contribution to one country, to a system, all right? I don't want to be the judge, but I don't have any sympathy for him if he's arrested. You may think he is a great democracy fighter. Fighting for democracy is one thing. Going to foreign government to ask for sanctions to put pressure on Beijing, all right, to act differently about Hong Kong is something else. They are basically violating the basic law, uh, the first article, which is Hong Kong is part of China, 
and it will never change. Mr. Teen, I'd like to ask you just briefly before we go. Um, Claudia Mo, who is an opposition lawmaker in Hong Kong, um, said that the aim of China's national security legislation was to stun Hong Kong into nothingness. People will be so petrified, so frightened, so intimidated that they wouldn't dare say anything or do anything in opposition. Um, you have articulated here that you are one of the mm. more liberal members of the pro-Beijing camp. Um, you have sometimes spoken out against the government. Do you personally have to watch what you say. How worried are you? Let me be very honest with you. I don't want to be personal about names, okay? So please spare me from commenting about my impression of Joshua, uh, Claudia Lowe, or in fact Joshua Law, or whatever. My honest opinion and feedback is that, yes, there's been a tightening of freedom to express views, particularly when it comes to Hong Kong uh, uh, gaining some kind of a greater control over its own destiny, all right, about uh, civic nomination that anybody can nominate to run for a chief executive, and it goes against uh, basic law. So all I'm saying is that if anybody comes up with any kind of claim that goes against the basic law, yes, the freedom to express such views is much less today than before because of the National Security Bill. Right. We have to yes. leave it there. That I agree. Michael Teen, thank you so much for joining us on Conflict Zone. Thank you.